Welcome in to the Game Day on Rocket Top podcast. Will Shelton, Joel Hollingsworth, Brad Shepard. It is 9.39 on Wednesday night. Uh, the good news is the Braves are up 8-3 to three on the Nats, which is really exciting. The bad news is we don't know where Jeremy Pruitt is. Oh. And uh, it, so earlier today they were supposed to have media availability at 5 o'clock. UT canceled it uh, because, quote, something suddenly came up. Uh, we joked before we went on the air that my just we're, we have such like spouse abuse syndrome as Tennessee fans. My first thought was, did he fall on a helmet? Um, <laughs> but so, yeah, I, you know, we're I'm sure we'll continue on here as uh, as business as usual. But hopefully uh, Jeremy Pruitt's whereabouts and the reason for uh, his disappearance uh, a few hours ago will manifest themselves while we're sitting here talking. But. I'm not the only one, right, guys? I mean, like that when when I see that and hear that immediately, and there's been lots of people who've made lots of good jokes on Twitter. Mark Nagy tweeted out the picture of Bud Ford from the night Kiffin left. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was, was going to say my couch is in the front yard and my lighter is waiting on go. That's right. My <laughs> as Tennessee fans, my, my our lighters are always ready. So uh, <laughs> we just uh, see before that happened today. I was going to lead into this with like. Is when we talk about what we're looking forward to, like normal. I, I would enjoy just some normalcy, just yeah. for a minute, even if it's six and six. Like, just normal. Let's talk about the team. Let's talk about X's and O's. Let's talk about who we're excited about and not have to fight amongst ourselves or be anxious or or any of that stuff. But clearly, it's it's going to take a little bit for. Uh, it's it's going to take some normal, uh, I think, here over over a number of seasons for us to get out of this sort of funk of if it can go wrong, it will uh, for for Tennessee. But we'll start there, uh, I guess, for for both of you guys. Are, is there something in particular with this this team this season that you find yourself looking forward to I, on our preseason magazine? You know, we we talked about that it's we're not doing bravado or bricks or britches. It's just. It's just football, um, and as as folks who write about Tennessee and talk about Tennessee, um, it's exhausting uh, the last few years. Even the good times um, were really exhausting, I think, because of some failures by Butch Jones the first couple of years to, to really make a stronger statement and, and punched in that clock uh, so early in his tenure. But uh, I, I think just the chance to just enjoy football, uh, assuming everything is all right with the head coach, uh, just enjoy football and, and some normalcy is is really kind of what I'm looking forward to the most uh, at this point here, just uh, a few weeks before kickoff. Joel, what's what are you looking forward to the most right now? You know, um, I'm, I'm my head's still swimming because I hadn't heard that news. So, you know, I'm thinking <laughs> he's up in Columbus. Uh, I think I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where <laughs> Haslam's plane is. You know, I don't know. So anyway, can, can you ask me the question again? Excellent. I think we can I'm, still get Mike Leach. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's fine. You know. What, You're whatever, probably right. Whatever we has he signed his contract? That's another question. You know. Anyway, so you asked me what I was looking forward to. I think. Uh, so, yeah. Aside uh, yeah. from that, but you know, Butch Jones is available uh, as well. So that's we right. Can, oh, yeah. And he's cheap right. now. He's yeah. he's really cheap. Well, because of what we're already paying him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, I will say a, a $35,000 internship is a pretty good deal. Like I would, yeah. I would, I would have enjoyed uh, one of those earlier in my life. So yeah, yeah that would, that would have been nice. 
So, okay, here's, here's what's been going on with me. Because of the last 10 years, um, I have, I've, I've, I'm in wait and see mode like I had never have been before. You know, just because everything, every year I get my hopes up and I got a list of five reasons why everything's going to be hunky-dory and then it all comes crashing down. And so like this year I'm like, well, you know, I don't know. I, I can't really find anything that I'm like super excited about. Today was actually the first day where I started thinking of a couple of things that might actually go right. Um, because I started looking at the roster and, and if you look at the improvements that he made, he's made in the roster in just the short time that he's been here. He's done a lot. He's added guys that fit his blueprint, a bunch, a bunch of guys through uh, recruiting and through uh, uh, graduate transfers and JUCO. Um, <clears throat> and then even the guys that are on staff, he's just, you know, he's he's molded them into the people he wants them to be. Hey, you you gain weight, you gain height. <laughs> you said you know? like the Hulk. I love that you talk like a caveman when you talk like through it. That makes me so happy. Hulk do bench. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you know, he's doing some stuff, right? That's why he's doing some stuff. And then also I looked at the injury stuff again today, which I right. know this, you know, it's tempting fate. But last year this time, I think it was on this day last year, we were like, hey, 2016, uh, the injuries were terrible. That can't happen again, right? And of course, it did happen again, and it was actually worse in 2017. But but this year, really, it can't happen again, can it? <laughs> so so I think we're gonna have a lot of our good players back. They're all beefed up and macho and making Brad happy. So yeah, there's there's two <laughs> things to look forward to right there. You mentioned a couple of things I want to I want to come back to and touch on, but let's go to Brad first. Stuff you're really looking forward to at this point as we get into the, you know, the the like there's there's practice updates every day except for today, uh, and there's you know there's like pictures and and here's who looked good today. Like this is the time of year for for these kinds of of exciting sorts of things. What what are you looking forward to right now, Brad? We know Joel stole stole the first part of my answer because I feel the exact same way. Like this is the first time that I can ever remember where, you know, I'm I'm not cautiously optimistic. I'm not anything. I'm just kind of, you know, I, you know, I can sit here and tell you that I like everything about Pruitt that I've heard so far, and I do like a lot of the stuff. I like, I like that he is kind of a breath of fresh air as far as honesty goes, and. He's not sitting here, you know, pumping, you know, rainbows up our tails. And that's that I like that in a football coach. Um, but but we don't we don't know anything about how he's going to run the program, how, how the program's going to look under him. We don't know really a lot about what our offense, how our offense is going to look. We don't know how we're going to transition to a three, four so quickly or what our personnel looks like in that scheme. So there are a lot of huge ifs and you know, a lot of things that you look at on paper and you think, you know, this team is is one big, you know, square peg trying to be pushed into this round hole of this new scheme but or this new coaching regime. But then you, you know, you think, well, last year's square peg was, you know, the worst square peg that Tennessee's ever had in the history of the program. And, and everything kind of went wrong. And at the end of the year, it was just a matter of, how bad it was going to be. Was it going to be the worst ever or, you know, was it just going to be really, really bad? And that's a bad position for all of us to be in. And so it's hard to think it's going to be worse than last year, which, you know, 
means it's going to be better. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I guess that's something to be cautiously optimistic about is that, you know, it, it, it can't be worse. I'm, I'm just like you guys, I'm sick of this cycle of hope every few years, but that's kind of what we've been. And, you know, you just kind of have to hope at this point that, that what we had on the magazine is, is, is true and, and realistic and legitimate. And that's that we're, back to football coaches that like to talk football and live and breathe football and the players that, you know, want to play football and these guys know how to coach football. And, and if that's the case, then I believe they're going to recruit well enough and develop well enough to eventually win games. So I'm looking forward to the development. I'm looking forward to, as I've written a couple of times this off season, you know, really kind of seeing some of these, Pruitt Diamonds and seeing because we're going to get to see a lot of them play this year. We're already hearing practice reports about a guy like Cedric Tillman at receiver and uh, JUCO transfer Kenny George or Kenneth George at at cornerback and um, you know just some guys like that. Jeremy Banks at running back, um, Karat Garland and um, Kingston Harris at defensive tackle. Guys that are probably going to get some reps this year and those are guys that weren't necessarily heavily recruited. So. We'll get a we'll get an opportunity to see what Pruitt's um, evaluation skills and and development skills are pretty early. So um, I think that how those guys pan out kind of will will give us at least a glimpse into the future. So that's something that I'm excited about this year. So really, just kind of the growth of the program, I guess, would be the the short answer. Let me uh, let me pause and and make kind of a public service announcement that I was supposed to make at the beginning, and we got so carried away with the uh, where in the world is Jeremy Pruitt thing that uh, I didn't make it. So uh, this is uh, for all the years that you have listened to the Rocky Top Talk podcast and the Game Day on Rocky Top podcast, we've been at Talkshoe, uh, and this I believe is our 143rd episode at Talkshoe, uh, but this is going to be uh, our last episode at Talkshoe. And uh, it, we are moving this bad boy over uh, to a SoundCloud uh, spot. And so if, if you uh, are, are listening to this because you got a notification, because you followed on TalkShoe and all that great stuff, uh, awesome. And thanks for listening for all these years. And we would love for you to follow us over to SoundCloud. And I'm going to throw it to Joel to tell you how you can do that. Yeah, go to SoundCloud. And uh, search for <laughs> search for game day on Rocky Thanks. Top. It's really hard. Yeah. So we'll we'll, we'll have it at the uh, the website too. And uh, right. the reason we make this announcement, and I might actually uh, shift that over and 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 add something to the front end too, because I, I just forgot to. But uh, the reason you posted it over at uh, Talk Shoe is so uh, when somebody's over there looking for it, the the last episode has them has the road sign in it you know so um yeah we'll be over at soundcloud um there's lots of reasons to uh to make the move over there we're excited about doing it it's basically just a host but uh you'll still be able to find it in all the regular spots too so if you've subscribed through itunes or through stitcher or through google play it'll still uh, be available through that you'll just need to resubscribe to a new feed uh, but we'll keep reminding you of that. It's on the website. If you ever get lost, just come to the website. We will hold your hand and help you find your way. Fair enough. Um, a, a couple of things we, we touched on there. Um, you know, when I say I'm looking forward to football, like 
this team is going to have a lot of problems and a lot of things that we can critique and look at and, and Pruitt as a first time coach is going to have a lot of those things too. And so there will be, uh, even with quote unquote, real football coaches, there will be plenty of those things. I look forward to, to critiquing those things. Uh, it, it felt like to me the last, again, even in, it, I want to spend as little time as possible talking about Butch Jones in this podcast, but you know, even, even in 2016, 2015, I felt like I had a lot of conversations where things could not be properly evaluated because there was so many people who had already made up their mind about Butch Jones that they weren't seeing things clearly. I feel like the vast majority of conversations we had about Josh Dobbs, or at least that I had about Josh Dobbs with people where when you would try to say, hey man, Dobbs is playing at like a level that only Schuler and Manning have played at statistically, people were so pissed off at Butch Jones that, that like you couldn't really have any conversation like that without that stuff being dragged in. So I, I look forward to talking about both the strengths and the weaknesses of which there will probably be many uh, of this particular football team without having all the baggage of uh, the Butch Jones conversation that we had for the last two and a half uh, to, to three years. But I, I'll say this too, when we say, um, when you guys say that you're, you're in a bigger wait and see mode than ever, do you feel like that you are in more of a wait-and-see mode now than you were this time five years ago in Butch's first year? I, I feel like I was more wait-and-see with Butch's first team than I am with, with this team. One, because it, Tennessee's at least won some games the last few years to kind of you know, cleanse the palate a little bit. And two, I just think we, these are better, again, quote-unquote, football coaches. So... Uh, I'm I'm very wait and see with Pruitt. He 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 may just not be a very good head coach. Maybe he's a great defensive coordinator, not a good head coach. We'll find out. But I think I was more wait and see about Butch Jones five years ago and that collection of talent, especially knowing what you lost after 2012 um, with Tyler Bray and all those guys not coming back. Um, I, I feel like I'm a little less wait and see here with with this team. Is that uh, Joel? Are you are you is is that a fair comparison? Do you do you feel like you're more wait and see, or is it just time, you know, five more seasons of not getting where we wanted to go has, has made you this way. Yeah. That, that's a really interesting comparison because uh, I, I feel like Pruitt is a, a better coach and a better hire. And so from that perspective, I'm more confident in him. And, and I remember uh, actually writing something I sort of regretted <laughs> when uh when Butch Jones was f first hired, first hired, boy, I'm really talking Southern there. <laughs> it's, it's Ain't wire. nothing wrong with that. It's wire right. now. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I was not really optimistic about Butch Jones, but it was still early enough in the process that I, I didn't think we'd, you know, hit bottom, you know. So I, I was still optimistic uh, about the program, even though I wasn't very confident in Butch Jones. And now I'm more confident in Pruitt, but we just, we have so far to go. And, and it's just, I, I've, I'm tired because I've done too many reps <laughs> of hope, you know, too many hope reps. So right. I'm, I'm worn out guys. I'm worn out. Yeah. Are, are you, Brad, do you feel the same way? See in recruiting was part of this with Butch Jones too, where, you know, no one was overly thrilled when he was hired the day after we didn't get Charlie Strong. But then Butch won people over in March and April and, and all that stuff. Uh, and, and so maybe that makes a difference. I just I remember that the second game of that first year, Western Kentucky, 
being terrified that we were going to lose to Western Kentucky. And and I am normally not the sort of I'm normally not terrified of the Western Kentuckys of the world, regardless of the season. Uh, and it, that's a game Tennessee won because Western Kentucky turned it over on like 17 plays in a yep. row. Yep. But, um, you know, uh, do, you, do you sense – is that a fair comparison for you, Brad? Are you in a similar place in terms of wait and see than, than you were five years ago with Butch Jones? You know, I, I want to say that I'm in a similar place, but I think that you hit the nail on the head and you uh, – again, I mean, I, I, I know I seem like – you know, Captain Unoriginal tonight, but you really kind of took my talking point there when, I mean, because we'll I had given myself, <laughs> no, right. that's fine. I had given myself such a false sense of security because of the, the, you know, kind of wild, wildly successful recruiting um, early victories that he had, especially there in that, you know, the stretch of, of February when they got Todd Kelly and Jalen Hurd and, and several of those guys right there kind of back to back that it kind of felt like, you know that and and i even wrote that summer kind of speaking of things that you wrote that you regret looking back <laughs> on you know that hey this could be the class that really you know that this could be a comparable class to what saban experienced in the the julio baron year for bama i mean i think that we all kind of felt like this is this is this is the class i mean we, we were kind of getting everybody we wanted in state ended up being a great class um especially on paper it didn't quite pan out the way we'd hoped for it even though there were a lot of good players in that class. Um, you know, I think that that the recruiting successes, by the time the season rolled around, I had kind of talked myself into, well, whatever happens this year, man, we're rolling toward the future. And so I was really optimistic. And I, you know, I was kind of, and that's, that was kind of, you know, looking back at it, I would like to say I was young and naive and stupid, and I probably was younger, naive, more naive and stupider than I am now. But, (laughs) you know, I I really think that at that juncture, I, you know, I just kind of that hope had kind of had kind of taken over. And and it was more about the future than it was about right then. And so there was optimism regardless to me. I mean, kind of optimism independent of the football games that season. And so it's not really that way this year with me because, I mean, I, I, I feel like that, you know, as as Joel kind of touched on, like, that you know, there's there are some players there. I mean, I'm not saying that Tennessee's got the talent up there to win eight games. I don't think that anybody thinks that they're going to go from four wins to eight wins. But, but there's some talented players there. And, you know, I, I think that we're all just kind of curious to see if these guys, you know, are, are really good coaches, what can – the team full of you know pretty highly ranked players do with good coaching and in that first um open scrimmage setting on sunday you know combo played pretty well and you know kyle phillips is getting a lot of you know quality talk this year i mean I, there there are some guys along that offensive front that are kind of getting some buzz early in the preseason i mean there so there are some things that kind of make you think well maybe maybe these guys you know i mean they're not going to be high four stars and five stars like some of them came in, but maybe, maybe these guys are not just as as worthless as they've looked at times <laughs> on the field. And so I, I have optimism in that standpoint, but I'm I'm trying to just kind of dial it back because I feel like that you know if you write about something for obviously we're fans writing about something that we're passionate about, but you do still kind of want to people to 
you know, value your opinion and for your opinions to sometimes be right. And I feel like over right. the last over the last two coaching tenures, I've pumped a lot of early sunshine that turned out being bullcrap. And I don't want to do that again. Yeah, well, you know, we're we can this is like an AA meeting, this podcast, because we're all, you know, like I'm I'm Will and I had bad takes. It's it's in my nature to give you know, I've, I've said that about Dooley and something I wrote earlier this week that, you know, to this day, I will defend saying that because of the injuries in Dooley's second year and because of the, the three-year recruiting failure that he inherited, that we still, like, it, it was a very rational thing to say, we need the data from this third year before we, we can make a fair decision that Derek Dooley sucks or doesn't suck or whatever. But it turns out that, you know, he did. And so that the quick decision ended up being the right one. Uh, and it's the same with Butch Jones. You'll find people that after that Florida game in 2014, people that were, he, he lost a percentage, not a percentage of people who were just out and, and remained out, but he lost something that day that I think he never fully got back uh, or maybe got back for a couple of weeks in 2016 and then gave it away real quick. So, you know, I, I worry about that from a fan standpoint of the last two guys uh, ended up being so bad in in different kinds of ways that that early snap judgment, even if it was was early, like it was right uh, in in both cases. And so I, I worry about that if if and when Pruitt struggles this year, that you know that that may be something that we need to grow out of. But I also wanted to to go back to the point Joel made, like about injuries and and just luck. I, I know there's. There's no limit to the things that we can blame on Butch Jones, it seems like. You know, I, I've, I've heard plenty of people say, you know, well, we had 50-plus people miss starts because Butch Jones hired bad strength and conditioning coaches. And maybe there's some truth in that, but that's, like, that's not all the injuries were, were because, you know, the head coach made uh, didn't do this or, or change something up or, or whatever. But there is some degree of we are due for just the, the math, the law of averages suggests we're due for a better year with, with injuries. And, and I want to take that question and pivot it to a, a thing of saying, like, when's, when's the last, what's, what's the best coaching job of the last 10 years? Like, wh which one of these years, I feel like it's been a really long time since we saw a really good coaching job. Even Kiffin, uh, Kiffin really struggled. He lost the game to UCLA, he never should have lost. Um, Tennessee was was flat and bad against Ole Miss uh, late in the year after they had kind of got things turned around. I don't know that – I think Kiffin did a great job in parts, but I don't know that I would call his entire 2009 body of work a great coaching job. Tennessee went seven and six. Um, so it's it's been a long time since we've seen quote-unquote good coaching, and, and it, it sort of play itself out. Do you have a Brad? I'll start with you this time. Do you like when you look back at the last ten years? Is there a season that that stands out to you where you say, "Okay, this was making the best of a bad situation," or or this was a this was a a, a quote unquote good coaching job? Is is there one that stands out to you as being the any better than any of the others in the last ten years? No, because there wasn't. I mean, <laughs> this is what we've this is what we've had for ten years. It's been mediocrity at best. I mean. I, I do believe that the, I believe that that as you said Kiffin did some good things in, in 09 I believe that you know any any offensive line that starts the sullen twins and you know a, <laughs> right. a, a deep a defense that that really is, has has two players and that's 
you know, uh, Dan Williams and, and Eric Berry, but putting Berry up in the box and him being a completely different player that year, but uh, a completely still awesome player because of what they did with, with him and some things that, that they did as far as, you know, shutting half the field down and, and helping develop Crompton and kind of some of those games, the, the Georgia game stands out. I mean, there were some, there were some really good coaching jobs for a really a, a, a team that really didn't have a whole lot of talent um, that, you know, it was kind of really struggling from the last few years of the, the, of the, the former era when he di- didn't really recruit, like we know him to be able to recruit back in the heyday. Um, and I thought Kiffin did, did some good things. Um, and, and, you know, and I still believe that the, the period of time from, and was it, was it the end of, let's see, the end of, and I'm terrible with years, but the end of 15 through about the Texas A&M game in 16, I mean, Tennessee played pretty well at times. I believe, though, it was in spite of their coaching because, you know, I mean, I, the Northwestern Bowl game was 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 pretty awesome. Tennessee looked really good in that game. Um, and, I, and I think that DeBoer did some really good things with the offense as far as you know, the run game, and that's my kind of that's my kind of offense. So, so there were some good things there, but then you look back at just some of the the near misses and the oh my gosh, how did they win the game in the first part of the sixteen? Not only the Georgia and Florida, you know, crazy wins, but the especially the Appalachian State where Tennessee got super lucky to come out with a win in that game. I mean, you look back at those games, and even in our highest you know, most exciting times of, man, this team's won a lot of games in a row or, you know, that we were still kind of, it was, it was, you could tell it was, it was imperfect there. There was something amiss. I mean, the coaching staff wasn't just learning how to coach. There was not, there were times, you know, it, it seemed like Tennessee was winning some games in spite of the coaching staff and they'd get way down and then come, come back. And, you know, they, they couldn't take the restrictor plates off early and then when they did you know it's like the talent kind of started showing up and so I really don't think that was the coaching thing so I guess I would have to say 09 is the only time that I really felt like okay this is you know Kiffin didn't inherit much and the future looks bright I I remember talking with Stephen Hargis on the on the the guys it's true day that Kiffin you know (laughs) and Hubs came out and said guys it's true and Kiffin took the job at USC on the way home from work that day, I spent 45 minutes talking with Stephen Hargis, the sports editor for the Chattanooga Times Free Press. We were just talking about how exciting the future was, how Tennessee was recruiting as well as anybody, and some of the recruiting victories that they had had, and that this is really the beginning of something special, and that Kiffin wasn't scared of Urban, and he wasn't scared of Saban, he wasn't scared of any of those guys, and that this is the kind of alpha personality that Tennessee needs to have, and then poof, he's gone, and you know, you're hiring Dooley and you're like, who's this guy? I mean, what? And it, and from then on, it's just kind of been like an endless cycle of who's this guy. And we just have to kind of talk ourselves into, well, maybe, maybe, maybe this is the guy and he's never the guy. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Fair enough. Uh, Joel, do you have a, a, I don't want to spend all night on this, but it, uh, Anything stand out to you last last ten years of hey this was a this was a good coaching job or do we just agree that we just haven't we haven't seen it? I think Rick Barnes has done an exceptional. Job. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. That's right. Amen. 
That's right. We, maybe we can bring back the uh, the basketball podcast this year. <laughs> I, I think I think Dooley's. I think ten was was a pretty okay coaching job. Tennessee was competitive with Oregon for two and a half quarters, and that that score ended up being a lot worse than than the actual game was. It, you know, a mess at the end of that LSU game kind of taints the the whole thing. But they're competitive with LSU, competitive with South Carolina, who won the East that year. And then making the switch to Bray and winning down the stretch, and and the North Carolina loss was not the coach's fault um, in terms of what happened at the end of that game. So you know, I, maybe I, I felt like Dooley probably did a little bit better of a job in the first year than we give him credit for, but as we know, it didn't go well after that. So that kind of ends up not mattering. So I say all that to say, like when when you are looking for things to be excited about with Pruitt. If these guys do a good job, even if it looks like, you know, six and six and, and close games and that sort of stuff, we haven't seen a, a real good job around here uh, in a long time. And Kiffin, to, to Brad's point, again, uh, that UCLA loss was terrible. That was a terrible loss uh, yeah. in his second game. Um, and the Ole Miss loss was no fun. But I agree, like, even after that first year, even going seven and six, I was excited. We we all were excited. We felt like, hey, the, you know, this this can be something that works going forward. Um, there were unique things about Kiffin because we you had to defend him so much. It kind of bound you to him a, a little closer there, I think. But um, you know, it, it, I said that for Pruitt. It doesn't have to be eight and four this year. You know, you you can there can be some bad losses in there and and some heartbreakers in there, uh, and and you could still come out of this first year. If he continues to recruit well, you can still come out of this first year feeling like you got something good going on. But yeah, I don't. I don't think there's been a unanimous. I'm arguing for 2010, so we're talking about 11, 12, and then five years of Butch Jones, where we haven't felt like, hey, these guys are getting the most out of out of what we got. It's been a long time. So again, that maybe maybe something to uh, to look forward to with this year's team. Um, Let's talk a couple specific things before we go about about this year's team. We'll we'll do this again before the season starts, so we can talk a little more specifically about West Virginia and and some other things. But um, just early on, what position group at the at the end of the year right now at the start of camp? This is not a fair time to ask this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. At the end of the year, what position group do you feel like we'll be talking about the most? Is it quarterbacks because of something that one, Garantano or or Chris was able to do? Is it a position where there's a lot of talent that's going to be coming back for for next year that we can be excited about? Is there a unit on this team that we feel like could be legitimately, uh, you know, good, even SEC caliber good? Brad, I'll start with you again. What what position group do you feel like at the end of this year that we are going to be talking about the most on this year's team? At the end of this year, I think that we're going to be talking the most about two positions. I really think that Tennessee has got an SEC stable of running backs and an SEC stable of linebackers. And I think that next year, you know, what we could see, especially linebackers, because I think next year what we could see is, um, I think what we're going to see this year is is Kirkland and Batuli on the field at the same time. And if you throw in, you know, Daryl Taylor and, 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 you know, possibly Kongbo, you know, it, it, Tennessee could go big and go strong and go pretty fast if they put sap out there. And I mean, so I've already mentioned some names, but we're talking about even with Kongbo leaving after this year, which I mean, who knows what we're going to get from him this year. I think that they're going to stand him up and tell him to go after the quarterback, which is what he's been needing to do all along. But after this year, what we've got is Batuli 
and Kirkland who are going to be back. Um, I don't think anybody thinks Kirkland's going to do enough this year to go pro. Um, that's that's two bona fide, legit SEC linebackers, but Thule especially. So you've got those two guys. You've got Sapp. You've got Ignat, who's looked really good in in um, fall practice, looked decent at times in spring, even though he looked horrible in the spring game. That's four guys. You 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 put Jordan Jordan Allen, who's got three years left at outside linebacker, who's shown some flashes. Austin Smith, who they like, I think a guy that's really going to be, it's going to turn a lot of heads this year that we haven't been talking about is um, is DeAndre Johnson, who's a sophomore, and then you've got you know JJ Peterson, who if he ever makes it to campus, is was the <laughs> kind of the jewel of last year's class. So you've got a lot of SEC caliber bodies, some guys that can play linebacker and can really make a difference there. You've got size, you've got speed enough depth there where you can feel pretty comfortable about going to a three, four and really being able to throw different, um, different kind of combos out there, depending on personnel sets. I really like the linebacking core. I think those guys are going to be a strength of the defense this year. I think that they're going to get better as the year goes on and they're going to be looked at as being the team strength going into next year at running back. I really, really, really like Tim Jordan. I think that, that he kind of had a breakout party in that orange and white game you know, nobody really talked that much about him. And now he, he's kind of going out there and he and Chandler kind of splitting the carries um, with the first team so far in fall. Both of those guys are sophomores. They both, you know, ha- can do a lot of good things. Jordan can run between the tackles pretty well. Chandler's kind of got that, that burst that Tennessee hasn't had at running back in a long time. And then you got Banks, who's exactly the kind of running back. Jeremy Banks, the true freshman, the, exactly the kind of running back that Pruitt likes and – you know the guy. The guy really hits the hole hard. I mean, he's you know spoke with several people who've seen him in practice so far and really loves his game. And that's not even you know throwing a guy out there that's a kind of a wild card. And that's Princeton Fant, who's a redshirt freshman, who's two thirty. I mean, and so you know this is a kid that's six two, six three, two thirty, and we're not going to get to see a lot of him this year. But you know he really kind of looks like the kind of big running back that you like to see and he may get some short yardage carries this year so you're talking about four legit running backs and that's even after Madre London leaves after this year which he's the grad transfer from Michigan State so I mean Tennessee's got some players at those two spots and you know I, I'm, I'm curious to see and interested to see how they developed and if you know if if they are what I think they're going to be moving into 19. Joel, is there a, a group that you are particularly looking forward to or, or one you think by the end of the year especially will, will be one that we're talking about more than others? Yeah, I think going into the season, the most promising one is the linebackers um, for all the reasons that Brad mentioned. Uh, there's a good argument for the running backs, uh, but I think their performance is probably a little too dependent on the offensive line, which we just don't know about. They could be good, but that's another thing I've been saying for too many years in a row. So I'm not going to say it this right. year. Um, so I'm going to take a different direction and and go out on a limb and say that the unit we'll be talking about most at the end of the season is the secondary, the cornerbacks especially because uh, they're the ones with the most to prove going into the season. But they're in good hands with Pruitt, and they've got talent, and Elante Taylor seems like the real deal. Um, so – um, you know, they could have a special season, and if they do, then they're they're going to be the ones that we're talking about at the end. 
Yeah, that's, it's, that's, it's, a, that's a good point too, because Bryce Thompson is is legit too, and and they like Trayvon Flowers. So that's three. Yeah, they got options. freshmen there. Yeah, that's 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 a good point. It's interesting to me, you know, just trying to to judge this sort of team in preseason compared to some others because. You expect, again, when you've got a first-year coach that you're going to have some struggles and those sorts of things. But it, it really – Brad wrote earlier this summer about we, we haven't had uh, a mass exodus. We haven't really had any exodus other than maybe a couple guys going to the NFL that surprised us. And you don't have – corner is the only place where Tennessee probably relying on a freshman is, is going to be one or maybe both of their best options. Uh, you, so you're not going to have stuff we've already talked about on this podcast, like Lane Kiffin playing walk-ons on starting walk-ons on the offensive line uh, in in his first year. Uh, Derek Dooley starting freshman on the offensive line as well. Uh, it, you know, where we were worried about Tyler Bray dying back there behind some of those guys because he weighed you know 10 pounds yeah. or whatever the case may be. And Pruitt doesn't have to start freshman. I mean, they they can run Balen Buchanan and Marquill Osborne and some of those guys out there. But I, I, again, it's early in camp, but I think Alante Taylor especially, and then maybe Thompson too, just might be your your best options. We saw it with Bush, Bush Jones put Cam Sutton and Malik Foreman out there. Um, but there's not a for – for a first-time or first-year coach, there's not a, the same level or, or at least the same quantity of, well, we're going to plug-and-play freshmen in all these spots, and, and that will give us a huge upgrade. So, on, you know, on that point, you feel better uh, about where Tennessee is. It's just that the last time we saw all of these guys who weren't freshmen, they went four and eight. And, it, you know, it, that's the thing about we. everybody throws out four and eight, four and eight. The, the bigger thing is, is how they went four and eight. You know, Tennessee was non-competitive against Vanderbilt and Missouri at, at the end of the year uh, and, and really, you know, struggling to beat Southern Miss and, and those kinds of things. So it wasn't just the record. It was the... A, a total lack of competitiveness with most of the teams in the November portion of their schedule. So I, I don't know. And that, that'll be part of what we learn is, you know, is, is on the high side of things. Maybe a lot of it was coaching and injuries and those two things are rectified and Tennessee can go out there and be competitive with almost everybody they play on the downside of things. Maybe we just don't have a lot of good football players and that's why we went four and eight and struggled so much last year. So I don't know. I, I'll, I'll throw out too. If see you play the if game with so many of these things. If we find a quarterback, uh, and if we can keep that quarterback upright, I think wide receiver. Wide receiver is one of those where you know you've got two really good options in Juwan Jennings and Marquez Callaway. And then it's one of those. We've we've said this about a number of positions throughout the years. It's one of those. One of these guys has got to be good, right? Like that whole slew of of receivers. Brandon Johnson, Jordan Murphy, Latrell Williams, Josh Palmer, all those guys. Like, one of those guys has got to be good. Like, they're, you know, I think Helton, we, we wrote about this. Tennessee's been throwing to running back so much the last five years, we forget what a true number three wide receiver can look like in an offense. And I think we will remember that very quickly with Tyson Helton. And so I think that's – you, you could lose. Yeah, and and Wood Anderson, too, you know, we've we've – with Tennessee, you fall in love with a tight end so many years and so many times it, it doesn't actually pan out or, or they don't get used. Or you get excited about Luke Stocker or Ethan Wolf for, for a, a second or two, and then they just don't they don't utilize them as much in the offense. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think there's 
even if we're talking about Jennings and or Callaway maybe flirting with the NFL, if things go really well, there's a lot of guys there that I think will have a lot of opportunities to, to get involved in the passing game. And so I think that's, um, that could be one as well. So that, you know, you can, you can make an argument for running backs and wide receivers and linebackers. You can make an argument that the defensive line could be good this year, but then all those guys are going to graduate. That's, that's a, that's a next August. We'll talk about that. That's a huge problem for next year. Um, and, and then secondary, uh, like we said, going into, freshmen growing up as the year goes along there's there are some options here for for what could be units that we're talking about at the end of the year having a chance to make a real difference in the sec uh in uh, in 2019 um last last question uh here again we'll we'll be back before west virginia to talk about them more specifically but just just to take the temperature at this stage well i, I saw west virginia at nine and a half today west virginia was favored by nine and a half uh, I think uh, Bill Connolly's got uh, tennis gives Tennessee a 35% chance uh, to win the game. So that's outside the old five to 30 window, uh, which is exciting for long time readers of this blog and inside jokes. Um, but uh, what's, if, if you had to put a, a percentage on, uh, on Tennessee's chances against West Virginia coming up, because see, I feel like like nine and a half, if Tennessee goes to Charlotte and loses by 10 points, I'm probably going to feel all right. You know, like that's, that's a level of competitiveness with a top 20 team that we, for the most part, didn't see at, at the end of last year and historically haven't seen a whole lot of uh, in the last 10 years. So, you know, do we, do we feel like Brad, I'll start with you. Do, do you feel like that line is, is, I guess, how do you feel about West Virginia minus nine and a half? And if you were throwing a percentage around to say, I give Tennessee X percent chance to win this game. How do we feel here on August eighth? I guess I would I would probably say I would probably say around forty percent. I mean I but you know I, that's again I mean it's just kind of I don't I don't know what I don't know what Tennessee has. I mean I I think that I, I don't think we know what what we're gonna be and and I and I I watched a lot of a lot of the now of course the West Virginia. West Virginia minus Will Greer at the end of last year was was brutal. I mean, and they're going to have Will Greer and David Seals and all those guys, and and it, you know, it it, it really stinks for Tennessee that their that West Virginia's strengths are really going to kind of play in the hands of, or you know, their you know in their favor because it's Tennessee's weaknesses. I, you know, Tennessee's going to have to be able to get to the quarterback and be able to put some pressure on Greer. And right now, I I can't tell you anybody that that will consistently get to the passer for Tennessee. And then also, you know, those, those freshman corners that we're talking about are those young, those young corners are going to have to, you know, guard one of the two or three best receiving cores in the country. So, you know, I, I could see a shootout, but then also, you know, I'm not sure that, that West Virginia's defense is that West Virginia's defense can really stop Tennessee. If Tennessee is, you know, kind of hell bent on, running the football and can do that well. And and we don't know that. We don't know if they can or not. And I don't we don't know very much about how we're going to look or what we're going to be. So it's hard to say and I think that's probably why you see that line. Um everybody knows that they've got Greer and Seals and and nobody really knows what Tennessee has, but I I think Tennessee cover. I think Tennessee covers and you know I I I think that it's it's a possibility that they go in and win that game, but um you know, it's it's a big, even though it's first game of the year, it's a big swing game. I really think that that's 
that's one of those games along with Florida that are just kind of sitting there that Tennessee, you know, really could get. I would not pick Tennessee in that game, but, you know, who knows? I mean, it's a, it's an intriguing matchup, and any other year Tennessee would be favored in that game, but, you know, Greer and Seals are going to be really tough to stop or even slow down. Joel, how do you feel about nine and a half? And I know obviously we're several weeks away from a stats heavy preview and all that stuff, but it, it, you know, you, Brad says 40%. Do you have a, an early kind of guess on, on how you'd feel about that? You said Connolly had it at 35%. Connolly has it at 35%. Yes. Yeah. I think that between 35 and 40, that sounds about right. That um, 10 points sounds maybe about right. Nine and a half. So the thing is, um, we know what West Virginia is going to look like. You know, they're, they're going to be good. Uh, Sports Illustrated, I think, had them in the top 10 in, in their most recent top 25. Um, Greer is supposedly a Heisman contender. So, um, you know, they're good, uh, but we know. And, and that is what I find so interesting, uh, just like what Brad said. We don't know anything about Tennessee at this point. This is Pruitt's first game as a head coach. Uh, don't really know that much about Helton. Uh, so, you know, when you don't know a team, you can steal a half of a football game before the other team can even get their bearings, you know. Because Greer is going to throw, and if he throws in Alante Taylor's uh, direction, thinking, well, there's a true freshman over there, and you, you can get an interception, and that can, that can make a big difference in a game. Um, and, uh, you know, if they spend a whole half of a game trying to figure out where the weaknesses are, um, then you can make the game pretty close. So I wouldn't be surprised, uh, really, to see Tennessee pull it out or to make it closer competitive. Um, but uh, just knowing how West, West Virginia is, how good they are, how powerful they are on offense, uh, you know, you, you can't give Tennessee the edge. And uh, I think 10 points is about right. Um, but the other thing is, like Brad said, too, uh, nobody's really talking about uh, West Virginia's defense. And uh, I'm not sure it's very good at all. So, I don't know. I just can't wait to see the game, to be honest. It, it should be fun. Yeah, and, and educational. And, again, that, you know, tying this thing together, I just – we'll learn a lot. Uh, we, we got no data points uh, at, at this point in time. And, and I also think, again, we're – not us. Vegas has it at nine and a half. This isn't like – Tennessee going to Oregon and being a 20 X whatever point underdog where you feel like we're going to get steamrolled out here and it could happen. I mean, West Virginia could roll us up. They might. Um, but I, I think there is again, 30 to 40%, wherever you want to put that there's, you can entertain something still. So even after a four and eight season, even playing a top 20 team and a neutral site with freshman corners and all that stuff, uh, Tennessee's still in the ballpark of, of entertaining something. Uh, and, and that's good. That's, that's exciting. So there again, to me, I think we're overall just, just for me personally, it feels like we're in a little better place than we were five years ago when we started this whole thing with, with Butch Jones, uh, again, Pruitt could, could be a disaster. I don't know. Um, but I, I like the upside. Here. Yeah. Yeah. We still don't know where he is. <laughs> uh, but, uh, he, he just, they, they just need, you know, if 
someone needs to explain to him, you know, how the last 10 years have gone around here and, and just, or just explain anyone working in the sports information department over there should know how the last 10 years have gone. Just, just give us something more than something suddenly came up, you know, because food poisoning, that's what they were trying to say. That's fine. Tell us he had food poisoning. Like describe it in excruciating detail. The more detail, the better. You know, that's that's that was the missed opportunity with the old fell on a helmet thing. Is should have should have asked for more details and you know see, seen where that went. So, anyway, so hopefully we you know, hopefully we still have a football coach and this is a relevant podcast uh, for your for your listening ears. But uh, we will uh, we'll be back uh, again. Like I say, before the season really gets rolling. But uh, we we. Again, it's exciting, even in the midst of everything we've been through, to talk football and and to talk Tennessee uh, with uh, a new coach and new opportunities uh, and all that stuff. So, uh, again, if uh, you're listening to this on TalkShoe, thanks. Uh, We will be available on SoundCloud and and lots of other places, uh, iTunes and Google Play and all that stuff. You can always find this at gameday at rockytop.com. You can find plenty of, uh, of other great stuff. Joel does. There are lots and lots of good things being written and and created about Tennessee on the internet every day. All three of us have been doing this for more than a decade. Uh, that wasn't always the case, uh, but these days there's lots and lots of good stuff out there about Tennessee. Yep. Joel does a great job every day capturing that stuff and and putting it out there. It's a great read every single day to keep up with uh, what folks are saying about Tennessee. Uh, all of us obviously are are still hard at work after all these years uh, and, and these years of losing and frustration, doing the very best commentary and analysis that we can do. And, and we really appreciate your time and your readership and your ear uh, and, and all that good stuff. So uh, we'll be back uh, again here in the next few weeks as we continue to count it down towards kickoff for Joel Hollingsworth and Brad, she- Brad Shepard. I'm Will Shelton, and this is the Game Day on Rocky Top podcast. Sorry. <laughs> You, you said your son was going to have non-sports talent. I mean, that's, that's there it is. Feels like the first time. Feels like the very first time. Okay, that's horrible. <laughs>